Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to a December 5th edition of the MSP Initiative. MSP Talk. Uh, we are in December, which means that the end of the year is near. So hopefully everybody is getting all of your ducks in a row because, you know, got to close out the year. And before you know it, you're going to be, you know, dealing with, you know, holiday stuff, which no offense, all of those holiday, you know, radio stations that show up everywhere. Not for me. Just going to be honest with you. But uh, it's all good. We're going to get some housekeeping done out of the way. And then we're going to get into the good stuff. So MSPinitiative.com. This is where everything we do is kind of dumped into one place. This session is being recorded. You'll find it in both audio and video format uh, here under sessions and in your podcatcher once uh, this is done later on today. Uh, Community Minds, we did uh, Community Minds last year, or I'm sorry, last year. I'm thinking we're already in 2024. Uh, this year, we have two of these planned next year. They're totally educational events uh, with a slightly different wrinkle on a format of, uh, of a channel event because it's more about you learning from the people around you than... Uh, and, and experts doing workshops than, than anything else. So uh, stay tuned. I think one's in Nashville, one is in Denver. Uh, we'll be announcing more on these soon, but super excited to continue these going into 2024. This year, we did all of these block parties, uh, both in Europe and here in the US. Next year, I think we'll uh, also be going into like APAC, right? Australia, New Zealand areas uh, for a few events. Uh, for everyone that came out to any of our block parties this year, thank you, thank you, thank you. These are community events built exclusively for you. You know, hopefully everybody had like a good time and and walked away with a pretty good experience. Uh, obviously, uh, our big one was in Orlando uh, not too long ago. Feels like it was just last week, but maybe like three or four weeks ago where we brought in, um, you know, like that's our big one to kind of close out the year. So we brought in Better Than Azure Sugar Ray and Tonic year before we brought in um, – all American rejects, you know, it takes a while. We'll eventually announce something for next year uh, and continue these. Uh, not every one of these are as big as, you know, kind of the end of the year one, but uh, we, we do love these and we plan to continue them. We have some community offers. These are just hookups for, uh, you know, vendor companies in, in the, uh, in the sandbox. They're just trying to give you special deals. And we will be updating the industry calendar on this shortly with all of our 2024 homework, right? Like just, all of the information we have across the industry, who's doing events and where and why. It's like 300 of them. Um, so don't be surprised. Uh, but I, we don't expect you to go to 300 events. Uh, but there is literally that many, probably even more because we don't see everything. Uh, but the ones that are like absolutely known in the calendar, we know about them. We'll put them all in one place so that at least you know uh, what we see. And so maybe you use that for your own purposes. So that is all of our homework. Thank you for giving me a few minutes to go through all of that. Uh, today's uh, guest on the show is Devin Rose from um, eBridge Marketing Solutions. So welcome to the show, Devin. This is your, your first time on. How are you doing today? Yeah, thanks, George. Thanks for having me on. I'm doing quite well. Thank you. I'm looking forward to chatting with you today. Awesome. Where are you based out of, Devin? I'm based out of Vancouver, Canada, actually. All right, a little wet, a little rainy. Oh, yeah, we've had uh, an atmospheric river the last couple of days, and the sidewalks are flooded, and we have cars floating around in some areas of town and all that sort of stuff. So it's been uh, it's been stereotypically uh, Pacific Northwest the last couple of days here. Totally get it. Yeah, every time I would go watch the Eagles and the Seahawks, and then somewhere in the middle of that, drive my three hours to potentially cross over the border, 
and get uh, get asked very specific questions by the the border uh, Canadian border force there. Um, it's always been interesting, but um, yeah, I mean, I know that the Eagles. I know you may not be an NFL fan, but the Eagles and the Seahawks play uh, coming up here, and not this week, but the week after. Uh, it is one of the it is the first time the NFL has exercised a Sunday game move to Monday. Oh, interesting. I'm yeah. an NFL fan. Um, uh, I'm actually a 49ers fan, so I'm sorry oh. about last week. Uh, yeah. It was a, a, a it was a good game in the first quarter, at least, and then <laughs> kind of got away from the Eagles there. But uh, yeah, I, I used to cheer for the Seahawks, but once they got an NHL team, uh, you know, being Canadian hockey is my my main sport, and once Seattle got a hockey team, uh, I couldn't cheer for their football team anymore, so I had to find a, another team. So. Ended up switching over the 49ers. <laughs> they don't have a hockey team somewhere in San Francisco? Uh, no, not in San Francisco. I guess, I guess in San Jose. I but I was going to say, it's close. And it's a suburb. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, just not for nothing, right? But okay, yeah. cool. Uh, yeah, don't worry. We'll, we'll, uh, it was one game, right? It's not the championship game here. It's a regular season game. So we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll see you down the line. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, we'll be, we'll be ready for you next time. Uh, all good. Well, the, thank you for filling in the gap here. Heavy NFL fans. As you can see, I got an Eagles chair behind me uh, for whatever it's worth, but I digress. Um, so I usually start these, especially if you have like, this is your first time on the show. Um, kind of give your background, right? Like your personal journey through the industry, you know, like obviously you're coming from a marketing background, but like why technology, why this, sandbox i like to call it and that gives people a better idea of like how you got to where you are and like what your story is about yeah sure so you know i um so i've been working with ebridge for 10 years now and you know i've always kind of been interested in technology i you know i i've I'm not super technical myself, but from like, you know, like experiencing new different types of technology, um, I have a, a lot of interest in what's kind of coming out. Um, I have a lot of friends who are in um, technology themselves, be it software engineers or, you know, um, IT security, et cetera. So I've had an interest for a long time. And as a marketer, um, you know, it just seemed like a natural fit. And so I started off with with eBridge, yeah, ten years ago, and it was really more focused in on the web hosting space at that time. Um, but you know, over the years, web hosting has become kind of more commoditized. It's a more difficult industry uh, to do marketing for. I mean, we used to do a lot of like, for instance, affiliate marketing campaigns and things like that back in the day. Um, you just don't really see too much of that stuff anymore. Um, so you know, over the years kind of web hosting took a back seat. And these days, uh, MSPs are the main vertical that we work with. Um, and, uh, you know, MSPs are certainly an interesting industry to do marketing for, because it's quite challenging, as I'm sure all your listeners are probably familiar with. Um, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm a bit of a glutton for punishment, having chosen MSP marketing as the industry. There's certainly a lot of other industries where it would be uh, easier and simpler to, to do the job. Um, but with MSP marketing, there isn't really any one thing that you need to do to be successful. It really is about doing multiple things well. Uh, so for that reason, you know, there's just a, a lot to know. Um, and so we help our clients uh, kind of execute uh, holistically and uh, try to get them in a place where the, uh, the the whole marketing funnel is working in their favor. Um, so, 
Yeah, that's just a little bit about myself. I have, I'm very experienced in the industry and I've kind of seen what works and what doesn't over the years. Yeah, I mean, listen, this is, uh, I would say, an age-old, you know, challenge where, you know, a lot of a lot of people who are owners of IT services companies or decision makers in, in the IT or MSP services companies will say that um, they've tried a lot of different things. They've even tried a lot of different marketing agencies. Uh, and a lot of money spent, a lot of time spent, not, not necessarily very good results. You know, I hear this all the time, to be honest with you. I don't care if I hear it in peer groups, you know, just walking down the aisle at, a, at an event, an industry event or at the bar. Um, you know, I think a couple of different things that I've heard, and I'm going to bounce a couple of these off of you just to get your opinion. And obviously you're in this, you know, you know, lane right so I'm, I'm very curious to hear your response to some of these but you know like the number one everybody's response to how much money should be spent right some people are like well it depends on the size of your company a certain percentage of your revenue should be allocated towards marketing demand generation lead generation kind of all roped in together like marketing and sales are supposed to work side by side right so marketing is supposed to generate net new opportunities for sales right otherwise you know, the whole idea of just, hey, brand awareness at the size of most MSPs doesn't really necessarily fit. The different conversation, if you're like a software company or a SaaS company or, you know, another company, right, that's like maybe a little bit further up the food chain that's like working, you know, across multiple verticals, different story, right? Like you hear big companies are like, oh, yeah, you know, you just got to be at this event because everybody expects you to be at this event, you know. That's kind of, in my opinion, more of a brand awareness than it is, hey, I'm showing up to something in order to generate net new potential customers, right? I guess, depending on who you talk to, you'll get a different answer. That being said, going back to the IT services provider, which I'll categorize for the sake of this argument, generally end customers, I'll even go a little bit higher, like 200 employees would be this and below, right? Generally, 100 employees and below. But for those people that kind of straggle upstream, I went up to two, a 200 and below. So all of that being said, you know, back to, hey, uh, you know, marketing companies will say, how much money do you need to spend? Everybody gives you a different answer. But I think I want to work backwards from, and maybe I'm going to stop and let you kind of start, you know, giving me your feedback. But I, regardless of whatever topic it is, when it comes to investment, because that's what I, I, in my mind, that's what this is. I work backwards from an outcome, right? I need to generate X. <clears throat> Excuse me. I need to have this many meetings <clears throat> or this many evaluations or this many conversations, which turn into this many proposals, which turn into this many customers. Like to me, that is a reverse waterfall coming out from here's what I need to see from you know, this quarter, this year, this effort, this project, I don't care how you want to phrase it. Like there needs to be an outcome. <clears throat> I'm sorry, just getting over a cold. So with that being said, when you start this conversation of marketing, is that where you start the conversation or how do you, how do you start to address it? Yeah. So, you know, there's one thing I find with most MSPs is where the conversation quite often starts is, almost every single MSP, they say, well, I'm getting leads from uh, from referrals and from word of mouth. 
and you know that's working for me. Once I get somebody on a, fo a phone call, uh, I'm I'm really good at converting them into a paying customer. Like you know, my my close rate is really good. Um, so I, I want to grow beyond that. Um, but I think if, if we're thinking about kind of working backwards, one of the things that I think a lot of MSPs underestimate is how much new leads are worth to them. Um, you know, if let's just say, for example, I mean, you said less than 200, but let's just even say um, a, a 10 end user uh, client that you're signing up, let's say you're paying, you know, that you're charging them $150 per end user. Um, that's, you know, $1,500 a month, you know, over the course of a year, what's that like, uh, close to 30 K. Um, and then, you know, most MSPs keep, keep their clients for five or 10 years. So, you know, that, or longer even. So, you know, that client that you're signing up is, is probably worth, you know, for five years, it's 150 K in revenue, um, for 10 years, it'd be 300 K in revenue. Like that is a big acquisition um, in terms of, you know, the, the value of that client. But if you were to ask most MSPs how much they're willing to pay for a good qualified lead, they would probably say like a couple hundred bucks, right? Maybe maybe even less than that, right? Um, and so that is something that is, is a, a challenge that I hear quite often. Um, and so we actually have a resource for this on our website. It's the uh, MSP ROI uh, lead generation calculator. It's a little bit long, but if you Google it, it'll pop up. Um, and you can kind of plug in those parameters where you, you plug in um, how many end users, how much you're charging per seat, um, your average retention time, your margin, et cetera. And it will show you exactly how long, um, and your close rate, I should say, it will show you how long it will take to pay off uh, leads that you're generating on average. Um, what the ROI you can expect will be over the long term. Um, and so I, I think really starting there is is like a, a good place because it's pretty important if you are trying to go after leads that are, you know, not reasonably priced, then what you're going to end up with is just junk leads that aren't actually converting. And then that kind of skews your your whole view on the thing and saying, oh, well, marketing's not working. Well, yeah, probably because you're not like paying for the, uh, the right like quality leads. Um and also it's important going back to this idea of close rate, like, yeah, your close rate, if you're just doing word of mouth and referrals is going to be much higher than if you're doing something like generating leads with email campaigns or with Google ads or whatever. Um, mostly because the people are kind of already warmed up to you, right? They, they, um, they've heard of you before, so they can trust you. They trust the person who referred them to you. Um, so it, of course it's much easier to, to close those leads, but for leads that you're generating from marketing, um, you, you can expect a lower close rate. And you know, typically we we talk about maybe 25 to 33% close rate uh for leads generated from marketing. Um, so you know, I, I think just starting there with getting reasonable expectations on cost per lead and and what the close rate would be, and then so what your cost per acquisition is gonna be, um, is, is kind of where you want to start in terms of what's the math for your all your marketing. Um, and, and then in terms of like budget for marketing, I mean, you'll hear different numbers out there. Uh, quite, sometimes you'll hear like five to 10%. My experience is very few MSPs are actually spending five to 10% of, of their revenues on, on marketing. Um, it's, it's usually a, a fraction of that. Um, but, you know, I think for the ones that are being more aggressive and growing, that's kind of where you want to be. All right. I like to unpack a little bit of that. So number one, Word of mouth is how most people start, right? 
And then you hope that as you add more clientele, you incentivize them to refer you, et cetera. But at some point, what ends up happening is you exhaust your network, right? And like at, at some point that stops, right? And so then you start into your conversation, which is, all right, now you need to go from you, you've brought, you've exhausted your, your network and referrals, which are effectively free or whatever incentivization you give your customer, maybe your whatever it is, you know, gift card or steak dinner, some sort of financial trade-off. But then you go into marketing and all of a sudden it's like, Hey, I'm, I'm getting quotes of, you know, two to $5,000 a month for, for a marketing program. And like to most MSPs, like they never had budgeted for a consistent spend here. Right. Right. And like that, and to me, that's just to get started. Right. It can go way further than that clearly, but it depends on how much you're going to invest here. Right. There's been a lot of people who come out and say, Hey, I dropped 30, 50, 70 grand on a marketing pro, uh, uh, consultant. They put in a year, you know, six months, eight months, a year to me, like kind of need to at least put in a year to at least see if it works. Unfortunately, like it does take time. Right. I don't care whether, you know, with all the different layers that I'm sure you're going to talk about, whether it's, you know, at, you know, online ads, like Google ads or SEO or social media or email marketing or, uh, uh, even event marketing, right? By the time you put it all in, just it takes time, right? Like nothing happens instantly. Um, that's always been the case, in my opinion. There's no overnight microwave success here. So, so you drop thirty to seventy grand, let's say, depending on you know somewhere in that range in a year. Twelve months later, you walk out and you're like, I didn't get anything. A lot of MSPs have gone through this in one way or another. And then like they're dissuaded from doing it again, right? Because they're like, hey, that was a lot of money. I could have gone and done other things with that money. I was trying to bring in net new revenue. I got no new net, no new revenue, and I just spent a lot of money. So I'm sure you've heard this before, right? This isn't new because there's a lot of you know marketing companies in and outside of the sandbox, right? Marketing companies that just will market for anyone. They may not be exclusive to the industry. Marketing companies that are very focused on, on the MSP IT land. So when you run into somebody like that with that story, what what's your what's your what's your you know, talk track? What's your mindset on trying to, I guess, convince them to make double down on their investment? Maybe you know try again. So I think the first thing I would do is just try to find out what didn't work for them, what they where they were trying, and then what didn't work. Um, and we have what we call our MSP marketing playbook, which is kind of the set of tactics that we look to implement. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just what we've found over the years is, is kind of the, um, the, a good approach. And, but every market is different. Um, like, let's say for instance, like for Google ads or something like that, if you've tried Google ads in a big market, um, whether it's somewhere like, you know, New York or LA or Dallas, Fort Worth, like it's very competitive. It's very expensive. Um, and you need to have a pretty big budget behind it to really get a sample size that's significant. And so that would, you know, we would probably would shy away from recommending Google ads compared to some other things for a big market. But if you're in a smaller market, then the cost per click is much lower Then it does make sense. Um, but I also find that just the priorities for like a lot of MSPs and their marketing um, especially if they've worked with a, an agency that is outside the space, the priorities are usually wrong. Um, 
the the focus on getting like paid traffic to the site, whether it is through Google ads or social media ads or um, whatever, any sort of paid traffic to the site, it's usually not the initial priority to focus on. And like what I like to say to, to the MSPs we work with is, are you converting the organic traffic that you're getting at a good clip? And if not, why would you pay to send expensive traffic to your website when you already know the organic traffic isn't converting? Because the organic traffic is probably better quality traffic anyway. Um, I, I know one of the interesting things about my job is I've had access to hundreds of uh, analytics for, for MSPs. Um, and I just see time and time again, the best traffic sources are organic and direct, which you kind of be kind of thought of um, together. Direct traffic is when people enter your URL into the browser bar and click enter. Um, and so if that traffic that you're already getting is not working for you, the lower quality paid traffic isn't going to work for you either. And especially in the MSP space, like it isn't uncommon to have a cost per click that is $10, $20 for paid traffic. And so you just start doing the math on that. And like you need to convert it at a pretty good clip to make it worth your, your while. And I'm, I'm talking about converting them into leads. Um, so, you know, that, that is a big thing is just a lot of agencies, especially outside the MSP space are going to focus on trying to get paid traffic to the site. Our approach is more like, okay, let's, let's get content on the website that is going to resonate with who you're trying to reach. So there's some low hanging fruit is like testimonials. Um, you know, let's get some social proof. So testimonials, another big thing is Google reviews. Doesn't cost anything to get Google reviews, but even for your word of mouth traffic, the first thing that people are going to do when they get referred to you is they're going to Google you. Um, and if you have really bad reviews, that is going to um, uh, take priority over the, the referral and they're not going to work with you. Um, so that's like a really big touch point early on. And then when the person actually lands on your site, having testimonials, especially ones that are in the same industry, um, really helps lend that credibility as well. Because, um, you know, the thing with MSPs is let's face it, most MSPs are offering services that are indistinguishable from the competition. Uh, and when you're looking at, uh, at least when it comes to marketing, like the claims that are being made are the exact same. So like that social proof element is so huge. And I was listening to one of your earlier podcasts, I think it was the previous one. Um, and you mentioned something about uh, how MSPs with less than $25 million in revenue, the brand is really the the people who are running the business, I think is what you said. And like, that is like very, but I thought just, it was just to be safe. So that this is a Gary Vaynerchuk or Gary V quote. I don't know if you've ever heard of Gary V. Oh yeah. Uh, he was actually a keynote speaker at Datocon, not this year, but last year in Washington, DC. He gets on stage and says, you know, 25 million and below you are the brand, the people, the person of the, who's running the company or the people running the company should be the brand, right? Like the corporate logo, the 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 tagline, the the website, like that's all great. He's like, but until you get to a certain threshold, like you're you're basically doing it the wrong way. That the people should be the face of the the marketing effort and like the company's vision from the outside, not necessarily you know corporate red tape. Hey, we're a big company. Come spend money with us because, you know, we're just big. And if we're big, I guess we're doing it better than everybody else. So that was kind of his approach. Like you need to personalize it because you're small enough that that's what the people that you're selling to are looking for. Anyway, I just wanted to quantify that and clarify that this wasn't a George quote. 
Gary V quote. I love Gary V, by the way. Um, so there you go. Just wanted to pick that. Yeah, no worries. I mean, I'd be happy to give you credit for it if you'd like, but thanks for clarifying. But I, I agree with that. And going back just to the analytics I see for MSPs. So the number, if I look at website analytics, the number one most visited page is the homepage for most MSPs, obviously. But surprisingly, number two is usually the about us page. Um, and like, it kind of goes to that point as well, where, you know, like, it, it, like the, the main differentiating factor for most MSPs is their team. And an extension of their team being that, okay, well, what industries do you have specializations in? Um, do you have, have you worked with accounting firms? Have you worked with construction firms or whatever it is, like getting your expertise in those firms and getting that in front of the audience on your website is really huge. Um, Cause if you put yourself in the shoes of somebody who's maybe researching MSPs and is pulled up four or five different tabs on their browser of, of their local MSPs. I mean, if you want to be one of the ones that's reached out to, it really helps to have content in your website that resonates with that person. Um, so, you know, that's, those are sorts of things that we try to focus on is getting, does your website have a good about us page? Does it have industry pages? Um, does it have pages that are specific to the communities that you serve? Um, you know, and, so the benefit of that primarily is the social proof element, but it also has benefit for SEO because then when people are searching for things like, um, no, I'm in Vancouver. So if they were searching for Vancouver managed services, well, having a page that's dedicated to the Vancouver managed services is going to give you a much better chance of showing up in Google. Likewise, if they're searching for something like IT services for, for law firms and they happen to be in Vancouver, well, having both the Vancouver page and the law firms page on your website, again, it's just going to give you a much better chance of showing up. Um, so, you know, th those are some of the things that we tend to focus on, uh, on, on the website before trying to drive like paid traffic to the websites. Okay. By the way, really good advice. Let me, let me go, let me rewind for a second. If you have no reviews outside of your website, right? You said Google reviews cost you nothing, right? I mean, there's some, you know, there's, you see all these marketing companies, like they try and like, Hey, best of, and then they start listing companies, right. And then like, you know, like they're like, Hey, you want to contact someone? And then they send it to three MSPs all at the same time. You've probably seen some version of this, right? So like, there's those types of gimmicks out there. You know, there's like, I, I, I'm going to use G2 as an example. I think that's more for, you know, SaaS companies and products, right? But like, you have like these comparison websites sometimes out there where you're listed or not. So like, that being said, a lot of MSPs, like all of their content is enclosed within their website. There's really not much about them outside of their website. Does that help them or hurt them? Um, it, it definitely, it, it's, it hurts them. It's helpful. So I, I would say it's the, the priority is, is the on-site SEO. Um, so having the content on the website, but then growing beyond that is, is helpful um, for a couple of reasons. One from SEO perspective, having backlinks to your website um, makes it easier to rank for, for key search terms and also just getting exposure to different audiences. Um, and there are a couple MSP specific listing websites, which I think if you're not already on them, you should list there. They're, they're free. And um, the ones that come to mind are Cloud Tango and UpCity. Um, you know, there's, those are kind of the two most primary kind of comparison websites that I see out there. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I know they have, uh, kind of paid packages as well, but it's just free to register and 
then you'll show up for your your municipality um and when people are searching for msps and um so you know having yourself up there having some basic services on on those websites and listing them it's going to be a huge help um but there's also some other like low-hanging fruit as well like local business listings so you know search for whatever your municipality is and business listing so vancouver business listing see what pops up um, go reach out to those websites and and uh, try to get listed. Most of them are free. Some of them are charged a little bit, uh, but they're you know they're good bang for the buck, um, and uh, will we'll help you kind of be seen credible in Google's eyes uh, by getting those backlinks, which is pretty important. So what about a lot of people have been using things like YouTube and Facebook and you know Twitter and, and Instagram. Maybe Snap, you know, Snapchat's a little, you know, younger, you know, audience. I would think also TikTok's probably a little bit younger of an audience, but I digress. Um, does that type of pushing your content out to those areas does that help? So of those, I like um, YouTube and LinkedIn the most. Okay. Um, you know, the thing about YouTube that which is nice is. Well, first of all, these days, it's the second most popular search engine. Like, yes, it's part of Google, um, but on its own, it's the second most popular search engine. Um, and when so when people are searching on YouTube, which they do even for B2B topics, it, it's really helpful to show up. But the other thing is when people are searching for your own brand name on Google, if you have YouTube videos, um, they tend to pop up at the top of the page on Google. So going back to the social proof element and promoting yourself as the brand, I mean, having a little bit of like FaceTime and being able to showcase your personality and like, you know, what you're like in a video um, is, is going to go a long way. Um, and, you know, it's so prominent in, in, in Google that it's, you know, it's, it's nice to have videos up there. Um, so for some of the other platforms like LinkedIn, Obviously, the nice thing about LinkedIn is people are um, on there for business reasons. I find it's a little bit spammy on LinkedIn. Um, you know, people are posting, you know, kind of memes and, um, you know, things like that on there. But it's still worthwhile. Like, say, if you are doing something like, you know, recording YouTube videos or writing blogs, the effort to do those things is significant. The effort to share them on platform like LinkedIn is not that much incrementally and more. So you may as well do it. You're going to get some additional eyeballs and everything on there. Um, likewise with Twitter, I guess X these days, um, you know, I, I've i never seen an MSP who gets significant leads, if any at all, from Twitter. I don't think people are on there uh, or, or Instagram for that matter, making B2B decisions. Um but if it's only it takes you a second to post it on on uh, on Twitter, why not? You know, you're gonna get a little bit more uh, a, a little bit more traffic to your website. So, hmm. so okay, got it. We started off with <clears throat> good homepage, good about us, social proof reviews. I assume if you can even do video reviews, that would even be better, right? Because you know, I think video usually gets a little bit more traction than, than everything else, at least these days, from what I understand. Um, tying to the, you know, B2B, you know, LinkedIn, YouTube, some of the, you know, and if it's easy, right, some of the other social networks pull, pull traffic in, the business listing sites, the backlink, that kind of stuff. Um, what about the education 
content factor, right? Like a lot of people who are not scared of a camera would record videos and be like, hey, we're going to talk about, and then they pick a topic today, right? So maybe it's event or history driven, right? Hey, MGM casinos got hacked last month. Let's talk about that and why they got hit. Or, hey, this new technology just came out. You know, let's talk about AI. Does it really fit your business? I would assume somebody like you would say, hey, you probably don't want to use ChatGPT to write the content for your website. Uh, that being said, like the educational factor seems to have worked well for the people that are a little bit more willing to put themselves out there. Do you agree with that? I do. Um, so f I'll touch on the ChatGPT part too, but for the educational part, I mean, if you're recording like training webinars and things like that, um, the thing I like about them is so many people in IT really don't like being um, advertised to. So it's a way to kind of reach those people with a softer message. And of course, you know, if you're doing a training webinar, you can add on a minute at the beginning or the end where you promote your services, but they're going to be more receptive to you if it is about adding value to them. Um, and the other thing I like about it is a lot of MSPs aren't very good at having like a, a, a lead nurturing process. So they might get a contact form on their website, um, reach out to them once and then, you know, never really follow up again. Um, and, you know, it, it's just, a, it's a shame because with, with MSP services, it, you have to reach the person at the right time. And, um, and so just cause they reach out once, maybe they were just curious or whatever, maybe they're shopping around for the future. But really, they need to usually have some sort of incident or maybe they're an, an issue with their previous MSP before they're actually going to be ready to pull the trigger. That could be three to six months or a year from now. Uh, so if you're not kind of nurturing that lead along and being top of mind over a longer period of time, that lead just isn't going to be worth that much to you. Um, and and the educational material is a great way to, to nurture people um, and, and uh, actually get them interacting with you. So, yeah, I, I think it's it's huge. Um, it, it might seem a little bit, you know, uh, doing the same webinar on, you know, maybe different versions of MS Teams or what, what the features are or, or different cybersecurity uh, webinars. It, it might seem like it's not going to lead to sales directly, but it is a contributing factor, uh, helps in the long run. Um, and then on the chat GPT front, like most people, I played around with chat GPT quite a bit. Um, and what we found is it doesn't work very well when it comes to SEO. If you just spit out an article on, on chat GPT and post it to the website, um, I, you know, I, I'll admit, I did a couple blogs that were chat GPT based at, uh, where, you know, I was doing a lot of, uh, different, uh, prompts. So it wasn't like I was just asking it to write a blog directly, but I was, I was using it to kind of craft a, a blog for our own website. And they didn't do anything. They didn't get any traffic or, or anything, even though I actually put a fair amount of time into trying to craft them. Um, but what I have found ChatGPT is really helpful for is um, like pre-writing. So coming up with topics. Um, if you are going after, let's say, going back to an idea like law firms in Vancouver, you can ask ChatGPT, what are 10 blog topics to try to reach law firms in Vancouver about IT services? It's going to come up with 10 topics of which maybe five of them are going to be half decent, you know, and that's a good starting spot, you know, um, and, and then you can take those topics and you can say, okay, you get one of them. You say, please write a blog outline on the topic. 
and it's going to come up with like all the headings and everything uh, for you to start with. And then you're on your way writing. And then from that point, I would suggest using like a, an actual human to write it. Um, but it's just a very efficient way to kind of be strategic about, uh, about what you're writing about. And then uh, to actually get started with the pre-writing rather than kind of, uh, you know, just being in that writer's block state. That's good advice. I mean, I think uh, the people who are constantly scrolling all of the feeds, like pick up on chat GPT written stuff pretty quickly now, right? Mm -hmm. like, up that was chat GPT. I, I don't know. Maybe the personalization part is missing or like it, it it's like too you know, kind of overviewish, not necessarily goes, it doesn't go deep enough sometimes, you know, into it. But anyway, I digress. Um, I still think that, you know, to your point, it's a helper tool, but the idea that it's going to replace the people actually doing the content creation, uh, I, I, I don't think it's there yet. It sounds like you don't, um, but I would caution people to just copy and paste. I mean, at this point. Yeah. And again, if we think about the fact that you are your brand, if you're a smaller business, do you want your your blogs to sound like they're droning on without much personality, like ChatGPT has tends to to write like? Um, you know, you want your content to be engaging and to reflect kind of uh, you know who you are, how you would talk in conversation, um, and you don't want to sound generic like everybody else. So. Uh, that's kind of the risk you run if you're just using chat GPT for, GPT for content. Um, I will say though, it is really helpful for, uh, for follow-up emails and things like that. Um, you know, that's where it's a little bit shorter and so it isn't kind of droning on so much. Um, but you know, that kind of help cut through, uh, a little bit of the hesitancy to follow up with, uh, with, with your leads. Um, so that, that is one use case where I like it. Any, any sort of like administrative emails and things like that are, are where it's, uh, it's a little bit more suitable. Fair enough. So how often, you know, cause again, sales and marketing are literally supposed to be two sides of the same coin. That's how it's always been told to me. I know not everybody agrees with that, but, uh, that being said, if a comment you made earlier was, Hey, MSPs and lead nurturing and lead follow-up is not very strong, right? It's probably a weak point for them. So if you do all of this marketing campaigns, multiple layers, some outbound, some inbound, some events, some emails, some SEO, some content creation, right? It's a, a lot of different things that have to kind of layer together, right? To kind of get you where you want to go. And then you, <laughs> and then you fall down on the part where you're actually hoping to convert some sort of prospective customer into a transacting customer, how much of your time goes into like assisting that part of it rather than the front end of it? Um, well, they, they work in conjunction. So for instance, what are you, so what are you following up with? We talked about the educational materials. Well, like maybe when, maybe you write a follow-up email once a month, and, or twice a month because you don't want to do too often, right? You don't want to annoy people and get them unsubscribing, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but maybe you're promoting things that you did for the front end originally, where whether it's like the blogs or, or your webinars. Well, you know, you write an email saying, hey, check out this new blog we wrote. It's, you know, uh, or check out this new training video we did. Um, so I, I think in terms of importance, they're like equal, but the, the time is less in the follow-up process especially because there are so many like marketing automation tools. Like if you have a, a half decent 
uh, database already, then setting up the triggers and the automation to get your blogs and your webinars out there, um, it doesn't take that much time um, once it's already set up. So, you know, I, I guess in terms of like the time spent, I'd probably say it's something like two thirds on kind of the front end, then utilizing those front end marketing materials uh, on the back end, like with like one third of the time. Okay. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the word I always use when it comes to anything around this topic is consistency, right? I think inconsistency is kryptonite to the whole conversation. Sales, marketing, advertising, brand awareness. I don't care what angle here, it, you know, of the of the bigger pie, it all falls down. So from your, you know, because you have a macro view now, right? You've seen all these things for 10 years. How long does it take to get from, I really don't have a plan. I've really only been working from word of mouth and referrals to, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to start a, pro a program. And my hope is at the end of this time period, I'm going to start to see positive results. Now you can give us an average or, you know, you can give us a general expectation. I know everybody's in a different situation, but I would love to hear your, your, your background information on it. Usually I would say about six months. Okay. Uh, you know, and it can be quicker in some instances we have seen quicker, but usually to go through the process of let's optimize the website for SEO from a technical perspective. Let's build out these industry pages, the community pages and your services pages and the about us uh, so that, you know, that actually gets across what's unique about you. Um, let's get some of these offsite backlinks built up. Um, all that stuff, it takes time and obviously it depends on how much budget you have too. Um, but for most MSPs, getting all that in place and then also the marketing automation for the follow-ups, it takes about six months. Um, you know, you can get quicker results from some tactics, like let's say email campaigns. I mean, those still outbound email still performs very well and you can get results more quick quickly that way. But for kind of doing the, the uh, what I would say, the, the best practices, yeah, it's, it's a little bit longer. What do you think about the outbound cold calling people still out there and that effort being part of the agenda? Is that, does it still work? Is it not even in the cards? What's your opinion on it? Yeah, so uh, cold calling and cold email are still part of the puzzle. Um, the nice thing about cold email is it obviously doesn't take as much time. So like for cold calling, you want to be a little bit more restrictive, um, you know, probably targeting very specific companies within your municipality, within the industries you want to focus in on. Um, but it's, it's still a part of the puzzle for cold email. You can, you know, uh, target a little bit more broadly, um, maybe not be so quite as in industry specific. Um, and, you know, cold email is more of a, uh, it's you're casting a wider net and hoping that you actually reach somebody at the at the right moment. Most people, I'm sure yourself included, uh, get a lot of unsolicited emails every day. Um, and the first thing I know I do in my my work days, I go through and I archive all the emails I don't want to read. And and so it, it's it's one of those tactics, um, but it does perform well uh, when you write decent emails that are quick to uh, you know quick to the point um usually the call to action is asking somebody for a meeting um and you know if they respond back then you're gonna you know 
get on a call with him as soon as possible. And the calls end up actually being half decent leads. Um, but it is hard to cut through that clutter. Um, there's also, uh, you know, there's like the, there's concern about the, the worry about being seen as like, I don't want to be seen as a spammer, um, which is, you know, especially in IT services, people have concerns about that. And so do we. Um, so that's why you need to be a little bit more selective about who you're data mining, uh, making sure the content does resonate with them. Um, and so, you know, it's it's not just like every other email that they're receiving um, and not quite at like these massive volumes, but it, it's still an important part though. Um, and it's, it's cost effective, right? It doesn't cost a lot to send out emails. It's just pretty much your time and the tools it takes, whether it's, you know, MailChimp or HubSpot or whatever. Um, and so for that reason, it's, it's still an important part. What about LinkedIn marketing? Specifically sending either messages, could be text, could be video, could be audio. I actually got a pretty good video LinkedIn message the other day for a service that I didn't need at the time, but I thought it was clever. Do you find that that's still a value, you know, an option that works? Um, so I've heard mixed results with LinkedIn. Um, we do our own LinkedIn marketing as well. Um, like it, it does work for some MSPs. For others, they get nothing from it. So I, I, I don't. I'm not. It's not my number one priority. Uh, it's to me, it's kind of a when everything else is working, uh, then it's a nice thing to like. When I say everything else, I'm talking about really the website and your marketing automation and all that. Then I think it's a nice thing to layer on. Um, but I, I don't have a great deal of confidence in it. Just because I, I find that people on LinkedIn aren't necessarily there uh, making business decisions. Quite often, people on LinkedIn are just looking to promote their own services, right? And um, so you do get sometimes people reaching out um, and, and you know you will get some leads that way. Uh, it's just not something I'm super confident in. What's your opinion on the marketing automation platform. I guess HubSpot's pretty popular. You mentioned MailChimp. Uh, I mean, maybe Salesforce is a bit big for some people, uh, but there's a lot There's a lot of solutions out there. Oh, we use HubSpot here at our company. I mean, it's not exactly, you know, it's, it's easier to use, I think, than a lot of solutions out there, but it doesn't just turn on by itself, right? You need to put some time into it. What's your general view of that, of that, you know, solution? Yeah, so this could be a, a whole uh, podcast episode unto itself. But I mean, HubSpot is the the kind of the, the name that we hear the most often. Um, it is the pro of HubSpot is that it is very easy to use. the The user experience is great. Uh, it 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 works. It's a nice tool. Um, the, in my opinion, the downside of HubSpot is well, one, it's it's quite expensive. Uh, it, you know. They do have kind of the free modules, but if you want to have all the bells and whistles, then it, you know it's it's thousands of dollars per month. Um, and I've seen MSPs that are subscribing to HubSpot, but are kind of in this uh, paralysis by analysis sort of state where they're actually not really utilizing it much. Maybe just because they don't have enough uh, resources in, in house to to actually administer it, or maybe they just don't know how to. Um, so they're just wasting thousands of dollars per month. Maybe just using it as a CRM, but not really using any of the marketing automation. Um, and that pains me. <laughs> so what, what, uh, like for a lot of MSPs, I would say like a cheaper solution, like MailChimp, but doesn't have all the bells and whistles where it's just a more simple kind of CRM functionality with the basic marketing automation. That's probably good enough. Um, 
and you know it depends on your level of sophistication but if you're only doing like a couple of follow-up emails per uh per month without like really complicated uh you know automation kind of uh triggers and 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 um uh, different different ways to kind of segment people then like a simple tool like mailchimp is is good enough um and that's probably what i would tend to recommend um there's also some other options out there like sharpspring is a competitor to hubspot that's that's good um has a lot of the similar functionality uh, it's it's priced lower um but my overall feeling on it is that any of those platforms is good you you'd have uh, you'd be surprised how many msps are not doing any of that stuff whatsoever and so you know if the price of hubspot is preventing you from pulling the trigger and moving forward like just get something simple like mailchimp going um, and uh, start taking advantage of those leads that you've been generating. Well, one thing's for sure, the PSA or ticketing system, probably not a good CRM. I know a lot of people try to, you know, get two birds at, with one stone, but I think you spend more time trying to make it do something it's not designed to do than, than anything else. Yeah. You know, uh, I haven't really heard too many people having a lot of success that way. So I would agree. Yeah. hundred percent. So kind of in the, you know, the last mile here, if you were to think of the top one or two, like surefire, low hanging fruit things, I know you gave us a couple of things already, but if you were to talk to an IT service provider today in North America, who's servicing again, that one to 100, let's say, you know, like what are the obvious, obvious, obvious things that you keep on running over into over and over again that, you know, for some reason people just don't do that just, you know, should be automatic checkboxes that they should be doing? I'd say number one would be asking for Google reviews. I know it's it seems so simple, but there's just so many MSPs out there that have either no no Google reviews or only one or two. Um, they don't all have to be five star. I mean, if you have 10 Google reviews and your your average is 4.5 stars, it's still going to help your credibility a lot. Um, and also the, the terms that people use in your Google reviews are things that people um, are like keywords that are good for SEO. Uh, so, you know, if someone says, oh, they helped me with my cybersecurity, blah, 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 you're going to show up for cybersecurity related keywords if uh, more likely. Um, and it's, it can be as simple as just reaching out to your oldest customers. If you're starting out and you don't have a lot of customers, well, there's gotta be somebody you've helped with their, their IT in like your, your personal life or, or, or whatever, like just get some Google reviews up there for the social proof that it's, it's such low hanging fruit. Um, another thing you can do is add it to your email signature, say something like, you know, it, please to you know consider taking 30 seconds of your day to give us a google review and then um, it would help us grow and then you have a link to your google reviews that that is just a, a low-hanging fruit thing that um, more msp should do um, and then the other thing is just the, the following up on leads that process like optimizing that so like how quickly you follow up on leads is really important don't let them linger for a couple of days like you need to get back to them like very quickly because you know other MSPs are going to be getting back to them quickly. So if you want to be in, in contention, I mean, I would say within a day maximum. Um, and then that that lead nurturing uh, process afterwards, like have a formalized process, capture their contact details, put it into a database and a CRM and have some sort of basic nurturing to, to reach out to them. 
Um, those are two things I see a lot of MSPs just not doing at all that uh, that I would recommend focusing on. Now that that's actually really practical advice to be honest with you. And so, especially the the last thing you kind of threw in there, how quickly you respond back to an inquiry is actually like there's science to it. Like the long, like this, like the first four hours, and then like the next eight, like they actually like it shows you the percentage that goes down. You know, at the longer you get away from that initial submission. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I talk to MSPs who I like to go through the leads that they've generated through their website for our clients. And, um, it, it's, you'd be surprised how often like people be like, Oh, I forgot to follow up with that one. Um, you know, it's three or four days later. Well, you've, you've probably missed out by that point. Um, and frankly, it doesn't give a good impression about how responsive you're going to be if they file an IT ticket in the future. So you can, kind of the responsiveness that you act with at the beginning is going to be indicative of likely your responsiveness in, in the future as well. So it, it's a huge thing. doesn't cost a lot of money. I know, I know it's tricky for a lot of MSP owners, especially if they're doing their own sales because you're wearing so many hats, you're dealing with clients, you know, emergencies and et cetera. Uh, but just having some notifications set up. So, you know, you, you're making sure that you are getting notifications when someone fills out your form. Um, like, in and like maybe if you can't get back to it like forward it to one of your team members to get back to them as soon as possible it, it really is important no that's fair where do people find out more about you your company more information about what you can do for them where do they go you can check out our website at www.ebridgemarketingsolutions.com um, in addition to marketing we also have a brokerage for msps um, so um, you can go to www.itsthehostbroker.com because we started off in, in web hosting. But these days, most of the companies we have for sale um, are uh, MSPs. And, um, you know, that can be a good alternative for people who uh, maybe have been, um, you know, burned by marketing in the past and aren't aren't interested in growing that route. Well, acquisitions is another way to, to grow. Um, so you can check us out there. Um, and all of our contact details are on the websites. That's awesome. I didn't know you did host broker. I, I've run into that website before, um, which is interesting, right? Because like, even though there's a lot of people who are bought, looking to buy or acquire or sell, merge, so many net new MSPs keep popping up. It's, it's quite an industry. Um, Devin, thank you very much for your time. We recorded this session. I'm going to throw it up on all of the feeds shortly. Uh, really appreciate you jumping on. Great to virtually meet you um, and hope to have you on again. All right. Awesome. Thanks, George. Really appreciate it. You got it. For everyone else, you'll see this on mspinitiative.com under sessions. I think it goes on our YouTube channel and our podcatcher. And obviously, you know, we just park everything under sessions as well. We're going to keep doing these Tuesdays, Thursdays. I know we're getting towards the end of the year, but hey, I, I you know, you got to get people like Devin on. So we can do these twice a week. Uh, hopefully you guys keep up with us at mspinitiative.com. We're going to be posting all the 2024 things coming up shortly. Um, I know like you don't think about traveling in December for the next year, but man, all the work that goes in right now during this time of year for what comes next for a lot of, you know, companies, not including our own, uh, this is, this is like that sweet spot of the year. So thank you for watching Devin, catch you later and have a great one. Thank you.